Hey kids, what do you think? Do we need more lights? We need more lights! They're coming, they're coming! Hey kids, how about helping me sing my favorite Christmas song? Take the holes with pepperoni Fa la 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 Mustard, eggplant and bologna Fa la 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 Santa Claus will bring his reindeer Fa la 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 In the sewer I will take it here Fa la 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 Cowabunga dudes and dudettes and welcome to another episode of Turtle Flakes. I am your co-host Rob and joining with me as always is my maid man, my partner in Ninja Turtle Crime, Mr. Josh O'Rourke. Cowabunga everyone. Cowabunga man. I think we're on, is it day eight now? You keep asking me. I don't know. Oh, come on, man. We're just, we're just going until we're done. We're just going until we're done. Yes, and we might have one last one extra, whatever, but uh, we apologize for you listening to us daily, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. The recording's fun. I've, I've had fun well, with this. Well, this is the thing. You keep asking me what number that we're on. You record all of these. <laughs> yes, but see, it's complicated. Put a number one next to it or something, like number two, you know? Just... Well, yeah, I need to. See, um... Ah, it's complicated. Like, uh, with my Skype recorder, it doesn't actually show you the times uh, and dates of everything. So you have to kind of go in there and dig and find out which ones are which. So that's why I'm a little uh, out of sync with my numbers here. I, I don't even know. Well, we'll call this one number eight, and then we'll find out in a week or two. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, today, guys, we have a really cool uh, comic lined up. Actually, I think it's the first comic we've discussed here on the Christmas special we're doing. And this mm-hmm. is the Michelangelo Christmas, the Christmas Aliens issue. And this came out in 1990. I don't know which month, but I'll assume it's December. But uh, it's a really cool issue. And this is one that's very special to you, isn't it? Yeah, this was the first uh, Ninja Turtles comic I ever had. So yeah. this one, I can remember being in, oh man, I cannot even remember what age I was. I was probably around nine years old because I was living in a town called Chesterton in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I was at this comic book shop called The Comic Connection. And uh, my dad was there with me. And I got this issue. And I remember specifically I got this Michelangelo. It just said Michelangelo was the second printing. So yeah. it was this great color painting of Michelangelo in his big parka and mittens and hat and <laughs> got clunk in his hand. And it's getting, and it says Michelangelo in that like old ye old English script. Oh yes. Um, and I remember I got the other comic I got was this Wolverine uh, hardcover or hardcover for back then, which is like a hard cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> and it was when he goes to the Savage Land and fights Apocalypse, and he turns out Apocalypse is a robot. Spoilers. Um, oh, not the real one. one. Yeah, and that, that and that one, I thought that was a really good Wolverine book. Uh, that one made me like Wolverine and then the cartoon ruined it and <laughs> made me realize that Wolverine is the worst comic book uh, character ever created. Oh. And so this issue came out in, man, I, I don't have a date here. I think it was 1980. I think it's December 1990. I think so. And it was $1.75 on market and two twenty five in Canada. It says on the back of your uh, comic you gave me, man. That was the second volume, yeah, or the second printing, though. Oh, was it? Okay. So yeah, so it might have been like, eight, I mean, this one. Yeah, because this I was in the mid '80s of... because this was around like issue eleven when uh, Shred. Comes... Okay, that makes yeah, sense so. because a lot of these notes are set in 1985. 
Yeah, because uh, the Michelangelo uh, in continuity, the Michelangelo issue and the Leonardo issue take place like around the same twenty-four hour period. Okay. Well, while we're while we're recording this, I'll I'll try to dig it up uh, the uh, date for us, guys. Let's okay. See. But uh, I I can remember specifically getting this issue, and I remember thinking that it was just so strange to see the Ninja Turtles because I'd never read, I had no idea that the turtles were a comic book mm-hmm. before. All I knew was the cartoon and the action figures, and it was so radically different, yet very very familiar. Like Michelangelo's character in the comics was the same as the cartoon. Yeah, you know, he was very fun loving and kind of childish, and you know, I mean, yes, they're teenagers, but he is the most childish of the four of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, and you see his, his personality really shine through in this issue. And this is kind of where I think that the characters have really been established in the series. And if this is 1985, you know, we're well into a year of the comic being out, and boy, you can really see that they are firing on all cylinders with the storytelling and the layouts and the characterizations. Um, I love Michelangelo in this one. I really do. What do you say we jump right into this? Because, honestly, I had no personal connection with this comic book. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't think I had actually read it till about maybe five or six years ago. So I didn't see it growing up. I didn't see it on shelves or anything. Never saw the reprints or or anything like that. So this was all brand new to me. Um, yeah. But it is a great Christmas issue, and it definitely, you know, definitely sums up what the turtles are all about and what Christmas is all about. So I say we uh, jump right into it. So this issue was co-written by um, co-written and drawn by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. So you've got the guys working on this uh, issue here. Oh yes. And real quickly, uh, for li- for anyone listening, I would recommend that you get the color classics edition of this because there is so because in the entire issue it's snowing throughout the whole thing. So you see little uh, they just painstakingly drew in snowflakes on every single panel and. It gets a little muddled because I have the black and white and the color issue on uh, of this. It gets a little muddled towards when like the the chase sequences happen uh, oh, towards yeah. the issue, and then you got snow and people jumping, and it's kind of hard to figure out what's going on and where everything is. But seeing it all in color um, really adds uh, a lot of depth and detail, and really gives you a lot of. Um, uh, ease of reading, you know, you can kind of tell where everything is. So plus with the color classics, you're going to see all the red and green, all the Christmas lights. It's going to be something yeah. to see. I actually have never yeah. seen the color classics one, so I'm kind of jealous. Yeah. For whatever reason, Michelangelo's wearing a blue scarf and a blue hat. I don't know why they didn't give him an orange scarf. You know, <laughs> Michelangelo. You know, even though it's Mirage. You know, whatever. But anyway, so Michelangelo is walking around. I believe it's Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not 100. percent So it's, but it's a day. It's within two days of Christmas, and he's walking around Central Park, and he's watching people sled, and he's just loving being outside. You know, he's away from his brothers, he's away from April, he's away from Splinter. He's just on his own for, you know, for a couple of hours, just walking around New York City on Christmas, and he's just absolutely loving it. And he's watching people ice skating, which is really weird, or sledding and ice skating, which is really weird because they have an open fire on the first page in the middle of Central Park. Yeah. Like, people built a fire. It's like, I don't really think you can do that. <laughs> but whatever. Um, and for one thing that happens right away is he uh, convinces a kid to let him borrow his sled. Yeah. And he goes down this giant hill and goes off a ramp and just 
flies off of the sled and lands on a massive pile of snow, and he's, like, buried, like, up to his forehead in snow. Now, that looks fun. That looks fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, to me, like, I we went – sledding was a big deal when I was a kid. Oh, same here. Yeah, and you, you all – every one of us remembers that big jump that you were afraid to go down and uh, – you just kind of went down anyway. Yep. <laughs> and Michelangelo went like a boss. He went face first, like laying on his stomach. And Oh, he did. He did. And you know what? It's funny. Just to tie it to the turtles with mine, um, we lived at the dead end of the, uh, the street here in New Jersey on mm-hmm. McKeeav with my stepdad. And boy, it was, the gr- it was the perfect setup for sledding. They had this concrete drainage dish that went down this hill where all the rainwater would go. And yeah. boy, when that would cover with ice and everything, oh, it was great. <laughs> uh, so we would sled down there, and I would surf sled, you know, where I'm standing on the sled all the way down the hill. Yeah. And uh, I would always, it was right when Turtles in Time came out, I would always have the sewer surfing theme song playing in my head as I sled down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, I just, you know, hey, I was, I was skateboarding, I was surfing. Man, you were you were sewer uh, sewer sledding. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So Michelangelo eventually leaves the park, and uh, but not right before, but not before he actually comes across a stray black cat. Yeah. And this is this is a big deal. Like, um, I don't know why a lot of you can kind of see where the inspiration between Ice Cream Kitty came from. Uh, uh, this little this little black cat that Michelangelo takes in, and he names <laughs> Clunk, mm-hmm. and he puts him in his. Uh, and zips him up in his parka, and he's walking around with him, and uh, it's just something that's really, it really shows you who Michelangelo is, where yeah. he just, stray cat, and he's just like, oh, come on. Yeah, it takes yeah. care of him. It, yeah. He, with all the fighting that, that ensues, you know, he makes sure that little Clunk's safe. Yeah, and throughout all of Mirage's continuity, like, all the way up through Volume 4, Michelangelo has Clunk. Yeah. You know, like, I, I believe he's in Volume 4. Up to issue 9, well. yeah. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he has Michelangelo all the way up until 2003. So uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that kind of lived a long life. Which actually, this if this is 1985, and you know, in continuity, issue nine of Volume Four takes place in 2002, 2003. That's around 20 years. That that's the lifespan of a cat. Yeah, that, that cat's lived cat. that long. Yeah. So anyway, Michelangelo and his new friend Clunk, they walk down to the shopping centers in New York City, and it is just this is why you need the color classics edition because there is just a veritable cornucopia of colors and snow and just like you can tell where the neon lights are and like there's a Santa Claus uh, working for uh, you know March of Dimes or whoever does the the bells mm-hmm. asking for quarters or whatever it is. And, you know, people walking around getting their last-minute Christmas gifts. And he goes to kind of an iconic location. He goes to Chet's Toys, which is often referenced in Ninja Turtles uh, artwork. You know, like the back of that uh, uh, notebook edition of Michelangelo that you got is all the turtles pressed up against the glass of Chet's Toys. Oh, yeah, that's great. There's Chet, uh, Chet Alert right there. What's that? There's Chet Alert right there. You know, once again, we got the Easter egg of... Mr. Chet. Uh, also, you know, uh, if you collect the Mega Bloks, uh, Ninja Turtle Mega Bloks set, the uh, black and white Raphael and Casey Jones uh, set uh, actually came with a display that was Chet's toys. So. Oh yeah! Wow. Um, 
So he's walking around. Uh, he goes into Chet's toys because he wants he wants to get gifts for uh, his brothers, and this has got to be the hardest thing because he <laughs> he wants to get gifts for six people, probably something for himself too, and he's got ten dollars. <laughs> Yeah. Nowadays, it's impossible, but in yes. 1985, you could probably do that. <laughs> and by the way, when he's looking through the stores, you see some Easter eggs, you know, a couple of uh, Star Wars, um, I, I saw a Stormtrooper helmet, or maybe that's um, Battlestar Galactica, uh, actually, it's probably that, it favors that a little bit more. But yeah, you see you see him playing with all these, these toys, and... Yeah, uh, he's he, supposed to get like little toys because he's only got ten bucks. And what does he do? He does what any of us would do. He gets like the big place set. He goes down the aisle with the, like the big boxes and everything. Yeah, I like the little Moonlander too. He he pushes that down and just bounces out. Yeah, uh, one thing that you mentioned the uh, Battlestar Galactica helmet. If you look underneath it, because for some reason this toy store has masks, but if you look <laughs> underneath the Battlestar Galactica helmet. There's a, a mask for a comic book character from Mirage Comics called Megaton Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see him. Uh, yeah, Megaton Man was like a spoof on Superman where it's just kind of like he's Superman, but he's like really he's a dimwit. <laughs> but like he's just really heroic and nice. Oh, so cool. I, I and I just I, I thought that looked familiar and I just learned about it last night. I've never read a Megaton Man comic before, but this makes me sound smart. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see what references do for everybody so anyway there's all this talk about making the story move along there's all this talk about um people trying to buy the little orphan aliens Mm -hmm. these little cute little alien dolls that are the big toy for christmas and if you read the notebook edition of this uh kevin eastman openly states that the inspiration was the year before uh the cabbage patch dolls were debuted and they were the big toy of like 1983 and which I had a Cabbage Patch doll when I was a kid and my sister had one too. And I don't even remember ever wanting one. I just remember like being in my room <laughs> and there was one there, you know? <laughs> yep. I think um, we, we were too young for the original launch, but then they come back with them in the late eighties and early nineties. There wasn't there, like a relaunch of the Cabbage Patch kids. See, I always thought the 83 launch was the original one. Oh, and it lasted that long because I remember my sister got one like for her Second birthday, I yeah. Was, it was like one of my earliest memories because I was only about four at the time, or maybe even five or four, and I remember her getting one. But anyway, sorry. Now hold that thought real quick. I'll be right back. Sure. Okay. Isaac will just not go to sleep. Oh, bless his God. Heart. He's he's just I don't know about all that. He's <laughs> just, he's so tired that he just will not go to sleep now. Oh, I know. I know. Grayson fights it to the bitter end. Oh, it's tough. Yeah, well, you know what it is? Like, now the, the big kids are up, and they're just banging crap around and sure. turning on lights everywhere, and <laughs> kids are so inconsiderate. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like they're kids or something. Uh, uh, 2.30 in the morning, Rob. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, hey, buddy, I, I get it. <laughs> so anyway, to make a long story short, Michelangelo, um, him and Clunk end up in the uh, stock storage room of this toy store because one of the toys that Mikey was playing with scares Clunk and he like bolts to the back and Michelangelo goes after him. And when he recovers Clunk, Michelangelo notices a band of three thieves uh, hijacking a a semi-truck full of little orphan alien dolls that are en route to an orphanage uh, to be donated uh, to 
this orphanage and all the children from Chet's toys. And and by the way, the the the, um, the, guy, the crooks. It's uh, according to the sketchbook I have. It's Gino and Jose, uh, aka Pyro and Gronk. And those were two of Kevin Eastman's buddies in high school. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then oh, he said the other okay. guy, Hector. He says I don't even know where that came they, that name came from. So stereotype thief names, man. <laughs> I know it. Um, okay, so, um, and because they're thieves, they just dump exposition, being like, hey, would you be quiet? We're supposed to steal this whole <laughs> truck of little orphan aliens that are en route to an orphanage to be donated from this toy store, but we're going to sell them on eBay before it exists. <laughs> There's a lot like, of exposition wow, that, there. You kind of just explain the whole story there, dude. So Thank somebody you. already knows. <laughs> yeah. Just in case there's a, you know, in case there's a Ninja Turtle around who's trying to stop us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. And you know what? That's not me making fun. That is just when you have 20 pages to tell a story, you have, you you have to do what you got to do. You do stuff like that, you know? Yes. <laughs> Everybody always makes fun of stuff like that, but have you ever tried writing? You kind of <laughs> – sometimes you have to do stuff like that. In my book, it's page 15. Mm-hmm. But from page 15 onward, almost the entire book, is this awesome uh, – foot chase between oh, Mike Lancelot and these three thieves who are in a truck who are in like a big like U-Haul moving van full of toys and the first thing that happens is Mike Lancelot kind of like uh, chucks clunk into the back of the truck and then mm-hmm. jumps onto the hood or jumps onto the roof to take out the driver which I thought was going to be a problem later when the cops show up I know dude yeah they run from the cops a lot in these early Marauder books <laughs> and not even like trying to get away from them like they're like I hate to do this dude sorry and they crash into a cop car to get them to stop <laughs> it's like I got Chase. toys here it's important yeah and it's kind of like you know you could have just stopped you could have just like you're in a big panel truck you could have just stopped and just ran because like <laughs> I've never been chased by a cop you know, well, you always got away. So anyway, okay. So cool part about this book is that Michelangelo had. It is a pretty cool action scene between Michelangelo, oh, like on foot, taking down a truck full of uh, thieves, mm-hmm. and he beats them all up and like tosses all of them like out of the truck as it's speeding down the road. So he probably kills a couple of them. <laughs> Yes. Uh, but he's got like a moment that's like something out of transporter. Like he runs off the the trailer of the truck, jumps over the cab and in through the windshield and takes out the driver. I was like, that's that's, that's some awesome. Jason Statham level stuff, man. <laughs> and so and then, you know, he takes the truck and goes to April's and explains the whole thing to uh, April, Splinter and the Turtles. And so they all dress up as elves. And go to the orphanage and donate all the toys, which is really cool. Ex- except for the fact that they they had he had rammed two cop cars to do this, and plus that wasn't really his to give away. Wait, did he go back to Chet's toys? No, he went straight to. He knew where the where the toys were supposed to go. Oh, okay, cool. cool. Yeah, because he overheard it from the uh, Captain Exposition. Uh, <laughs> so he overheard where they were en route to, yeah. where they were supposed to go, and uh, he just took them there. So, you know, it, it worked out. And yeah, um, yeah, story too. Like, uh, I love when they're back in April's apartment. You know, mm-hmm. Donatello, he's working on that sweet looking robot. There are so many cool little Easter eggs in this issue. And I think this is going to be one, since we're doing short shows, I feel like we definitely have to come back to this one soon because there's so much stuff in here we could talk about. 
We um, should, you know, what we should do is like for one theme month, we should for one month next year, what we should do is look at the original micro series one shots. Just one week do Leonardo, then Raphael, and like even though we already talked about Leonardo's, we could just go back to it, mm-hmm. but like just talk about all the other ones. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, just yeah. do micro series, micro month. Yeah. Micro month, yeah. There we go. I like that idea. Yeah. And even we could even compare them to the IDW ones, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so what would you give this particular issue, man? Because uh, this boy, this was it's actually one of my favorites. I really like this issue. It's a simple story, but it really works. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, there's so much nostalgia for me because I remember, like, I even got this around Christmas time too. It was like it was in the month of December that I got this. I remember it specifically because it was. Um, Late in the year, it was snowing, and my dad said, you know, when we left, my dad had told me, you know, nothing more, nothing else until Christmas, okay? Until after Christmas. Like, mm-hmm. All right, fine. And, and you know, I must have been really young, too, because my dad said, this is $5. They used to cost a dime. You know, whatever. <laughs> um, but I would, there's a lot of nostalgia. I can't really get away from my nostalgia for this book. Yeah. So I would, I would have to give this, like, a 9 yeah. It's not quite a 10 because I try not to give 10s out because nothing's perfect. There's very few things that I can consider perfect. Hey, nobody's perfect down here on earth, but we can rock this world for all we're worth. I'm sorry. Wow. So, uh... <laughs> well, that goes into my review. Uh, I, I, give this, <laughs> I give this one a 9.95. I love this book. I really do. And, and dude, thank you so much. Uh, guys, I don't know if we've mentioned this on the show or not. This was Josh's first comic book, and a couple mm-hmm. couple years ago, he sent this to me. You know, I have his first Ninja Turtles comic book in my hand right now. I feel unworthy, man, but <laughs> dude, thank you. Seriously. And this is such oh, a good yeah. story, too. And I love Michelangelo. I love Clunk. I love Christmas. Kevin Eastman loves Christmas. He says it all throughout the uh, sketchbook that I got a couple, couple years ago. This is just a great, great festive, simple, but classic story, and uh, classic turtles as well, so... Um, man, what kind of pizza should we have to close out this one? This is a gem, man. Man, you know, oh man, it's it's kind of hard to pick a pizza, man. What about ice cream pizza for Ice Cream Kitty? You know what? Considering Clunk is uh, uh, the inspiration, I would imagine he's the inspiration behind Ice Cream Kitty. I would have to say that we should have some kind of ice cream pizza. Yeah. All right. Cookies and cream pizza. Well, all right, dudes, you do that. So that wraps up day number eight uh, of our Turtle Flakes 12 Days of Christmas. So uh, on behalf of Josh and myself, here's to hoping you enjoy your mega slice of uh, ice cream, cookie crust, pizza. Cowabunga, dudes. Cowabunga, everyone. And it's cookies and cream pizza. Oh, I'm sorry. Merry Christmas, Cowabunga. You, you kids. <laughs> <laughs>